in this week's episode, it's kind of a change. I didn't want to have to do this, but this week has caused me to be like this and have to start the year off like this, but I'm starting with another chit-chat with my favorite person of all time, Sierra. We talk a little bit about what happened this week, and again, I wanted to talk about other stuff, but because of the events of this week, I couldn't help but talk about what's happened in the United States, so let's just do that. But this is a quick chit-chat with me and Sierra. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll get back to Cure Yas on Saturday. So, are you guys ready for it? Yas! Yas, yas, yas! Yas, 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 yas! Cross Yes Podcast, which is Elm here so... Yas! Yas! Yas, 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 yas! Yas, yas, yas. Cross Yes, chit-chat, which is Elm and Sierra... Uh, yeah, so uh, Sierra, welcome back to the Cross Yes Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Giselle. Good to be back. Yeah, so the new year, uh, it started. It's 2021. Unfortunately, I did want to start with my normal, like, oh, let's answer last month's question of the month. And I wanted to talk about other topics. I think I wanted to, to start with, like, feminization of voice was one of my first episodes that I wanted to talk about. And then other topics that I wanted to touch on. But then, you know, in just one week, lots has happened in the world around us that I think you and I both agree we would be amiss to not talk about these things. But before we get there, how about you tell us about how your new year went, 2021? Well, very good. Yeah, my new year was super not exciting, I guess. I was just hanging around at home with my wife and the dogs. And that felt like the only responsible thing to do. But it was actually just really nice. And and um, I don't even think she stayed up until midnight, but but I did. And it was just quiet, nice chance to relax and watch some TV. and. You know, for a 2020 that's been just kind of weird, that was a good way to end it. I got to say, just nice, quiet time at home. How about you? Yes. I think I wish you a happy new year when, before even new year happened. So um, I was just happy to like be at home. And I think it's been years since we watched the ball drop. And was there even a ball drop this year? I don't know. I think people are just really happy for it to end. So I think we just watched TV and kind of just rested around the house. And I don't know. It was fun. It was nice. It was just calming, which was a great way to end the year, a shitty year, but for sure. Hey, it's the new year and uh yeah, lots has happened, Sierra. We can start by talking about for me, I had a I guess a COVID scare-ish. I think who hasn't, right? Like if you aren't paying attention to the news and at least here in America, it's gotten way worse. Uh, I work in a hospital. I've already told you, Sierra, that I think COVID is encroaching into the pediatric population. Formerly it was mostly in the adult side. And it was scary and crazy because for us, we were not seeing it in pediatrics as much. But then all of a sudden, at least when I was working this past weekend, there was at least three or four patients that were admitted in one night with like COVID symptoms or past COVID symptoms, which exacerbated their already already present symptoms. Like I had a diabetic who got worse because of her COVID symptoms. And oh, wow. Yeah, it's just like crazy. And it's making it worse because now we're getting adult patients into our like unit and in, into our pediatric unit, which isn't normal because, you know, we don't take care of them. But because there's no room left on the adult side, they're having to be put into our pediatric side, which is scary. And I was also telling you, Sierra, how there are patients that are waiting in the ER who don't have COVID or don't have COVID yet. And they're waiting for rooms, but because the rooms are so full, they're waiting like two to three days in the ER before they actually get a bed in the in any of the hospital rooms. That yeah. is just crazy. And like I've seen photos, I was just telling you, I've seen photos like in the LA Times of hospitals that have put up um, units in tents and parking structures. Like we're seeing now in Southern California, especially what we saw in like New York in I think it was March, April of last year, like when things started to get bad initially, it wasn't so severe on the West Coast, but other parts of the country were much more affected. But now we're certainly getting what we missed out on earlier. For sure, for sure. And hospitals are having to turn away patients, which is really scary. They're like, hey, we don't have any room for you. You have to go somewhere else. So it's like these these patients who are also who don't even have COVID. So say like there's a really bad accident or something out there, or there's like a critical patient or something and there's no room in your ICU you got to go somewhere else and there's shortages of like oxygen I think I'm sure you read that in I think the LA mm -hmm. Times and I read that in other newspaper articles as well 
is they're running out of oxygen to provide patients because there's so much use of it, as well as ventilators. In the ICU, uh, we're having to share our ventilators with with the adult side, which is great because we're not really using them. But now we're kind of like helping them out with their patients coming to our side. And again, we're not taking care of them because again, we don't know how to take care of adult patients because we're, mm -hmm. you know, we specialize in pediatrics. But now with the influx of potential pediatric patients with COVID, it's, yeah, it's getting kind of scary, scary out there. That yeah. is like taking things to the next level. And I just hope you stay safe and stay healthy through all of this because I mean, even though you're getting the vaccine and I know it's, it's not meant to be, or it's not, it's not fully effective until after you get the second dose, right? Yes. And it, it's like the 94% or 95% effectiveness only comes with the second dose. I was told that it's only like 50% or 55% effective when you take the first dose. So there's a potential also that people assume that because they got the first dose, they're fine and they're perfectly healthy. But it's no, it's the it's the second dose that you really do need just for not again, full 100% protection, but it, you're better off protected with getting both doses. And people assume that just because you get the get one of the doses, you or the second dose that you're like clean, <laughs> like you're 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 immune to the uh, COVID virus. But yeah, there's been cases where, you know, they got the vaccine and the next day they tested positive with COVID. So again, still practice oh, wow. your social distancing and do all the washing your hands, wear a mask, like that shouldn't change. You should still do that regardless. So. No, that's absolutely true. And the other thing that people should remember is that like 94 to 95% effective means that there's still a five to 6% chance that once you've had both doses and once they've uh, been fully processed by your immune system, like you can still five times out of a hundred, you could still get COVID. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's still a shitty disease. <laughs> like it's not, it's not worse, not weakening. Like as it just, it looks like there's variant strains as well that are you know potentially um just as dangerous or even more dangerous that we don't have protections from so you're better off just wearing a mask staying home washing your hands yeah and it's gonna suck more and i because it's like in march it'll be a full year at least in the united states of like you know where we started quarantining which is crazy to me and kirsten and i have talked about it like holy crap we've gone almost a full year of this <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's really, really odd to think that like, I haven't been to my campus, I haven't been to my office since March, early March of last year, and it will probably be a full year, at least. I mean, I might go to just to pick up my office computer at some point sometime soon. But like, it's crazy to think that something that's such like a part of my everyday life previously is just like gone. And it doesn't even feel that weird anymore. It's like you just whatever the new normal is, you just kind of settle into it. Seriously. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like this is this is like, oh, the normal thing. So I think it's gonna be weird when they tell us not to wear a mask anymore. You don't need to. And they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna wear this mask. I don't know. It's like, it's almost like your phone, how you almost always need it. You're like, no, no, I need my phone. This is this is for me. Like I need this. It's like a I don't know, it's like a pacifier sort of thing. Like, oh no, I need I need the mask. Yeah, like there was a time before people carried phones all the time. It's true. I don't remember how that was. That was a weird time. Oh, me was either. It? That was like, that was like <laughs> the dark ages for real. Seriously, seriously. But um, yeah, that's been the new year so far. I mean, for um, the other thing to update you guys on is Kirsten and I are getting married next week. Like wedding married, yeah. church married, which is exciting. But also for her and I, we're very like, we're ambivalent. We're kind of just like apprehensive about doing it. It's kind of weird. It's it's weird in the sense that, like, you've heard all those terrible stories of like, oh, there's it's a super spreader event. You've had like 14 people or 30 people tested positive after the wedding, and Kirsten and I are like, fuck, like, should we still have this? But for her and I, we're also just we're kind of over it. <laughs> like, we had such big plans normally, and I've told I think I've told you Sierra and I think the other people in the podcast. Our wedding originally was supposed to have 300 people because she's really popular. I'm kind of popular <laughs> with people and they love us a lot. And like weddings are typically, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun party. It's where you gather with, you know, your loved ones who just show how much they appreciate you and love you and just want to be a part of some huge event. And, you know, the wedding uh, business and the wedding industry like tanked a lot, like huge during COVID, it was one of the hardest hit industries. Oh, that's probably true. It's like a billion dollar industry. Like it's, they make a ton of money. I mean, you, if you put wedding on anything, 
during like you're like oh it's this is a cake it's like oh it's five dollars oh but it's a wedding cake oh that's about 300 bucks you're like whoa the markup on that is insane it's like the pink tax and then some yeah yeah seriously it's exactly it's it's that and it's just it's really crappy for us to have a wedding like this but we're also just like damn we want to just get on with it because you know people have asked us like hey aren't don't you want to just postpone your wedding don't you just want to do it and we're like we we do trust us we we want to but i mean we're, we've already cut our wedding guest list from 300 to 50 which is already you know that's 250 gone and we're socially distancing during the wedding and we're all wearing masks and we're all going to have hand sanitizer and we're going to practice you know our um due diligence and you I just got COVID tested and I'm negative, thank goodness. So at least, you know, if, if any of us tested positive, we would postpone the wedding. But because we're negative, we're going to go on with it. But there is this sense of, you know, like, shit, we don't want to get people infected, but we're balancing that out with, we just want to get it over with. So I totally understand. And like, I really, really sympathize with anyone who's in your shoes. Um, because just, yeah, it was just last year, actually. Well, 2019 now. So now um, the year before, but my wife and I were married and planned a big wedding in 2019. And obviously there were no issues with that. And we just kept thinking all of last year, like if we had waited a little bit longer, the whole thing would have been a complete disaster. And I just, I totally feel for anyone who said like their plans and with such an important moment in their lives, just completely upended by this. And so like you're, the tension of kind of what you feel like you should do to be responsible versus what you feel like you need to do just to maintain that normalcy and that forward progress in your life is like totally human and understandable. Like I don't think anyone would ever, and no one I, I think would ever look at your situation and think that you're being unreasonable by wanting to have your wedding. Right. And we've already had maybe five or six people cancel who we, we love and adore. And we totally understand that they don't want to be there. Even even our florist, who's my aunt, she's like, look, I'll do your flowers for you, but I'm going to wait in the car with my family, which is a total reasonable response. Yeah, we totally understand. But we we just feel bad because like everyone else who's going through this pandemic of not being able to be with your loved ones in close proximity and not on a Zoom call, not on a, you know, not on a drive by, not in my car, hangout sort of thing. Like, no, like in a full, like, let's be in the same household. Let's be in the you know, and just again, real close proximity and just be together. That that has changed in the last year, you know, tremendously. And it, it sucks. We understand it. But like you said, it's, it's just this balance. It's just like understanding that you want it to happen, but you just can't. Yeah. Well, I think you'll have opportunities to make it a safe event, though. Like you mentioned, you have a relatively small guest list now. If you think about most grocery stores, like there are that many people, if you go into like Trader Joe's or Sprouts or something like that, there are going to be like 50 people in that store between the staff and the people who are shopping. And if, and people are not always very spread out. And so if you're in a, if you're in a, like a church, if you're in, in a space that's kind of big enough where people can actually maintain distance, there's really nothing inherently more dangerous about that than going um, other places as long as people are pretty, fastidious about keeping distance from one another right no exactly exactly and we're like you and we're we're doing the right things we're we're like we're separating by household we're having the chairs like distanced away so we're not all grouped like just like how they hold i mean i don't know if you know right now like with masses they're still holding church masses because religious churches and religious sects so like they're they're not bound by like the law, which is weird to me. <laughs> they're not bound by the, the laws of lockdown. I don't know. It's just because they're, I don't know. That's so odd to me. But yeah, we're separating that way. Um, we're not holding a reception. We would have, you know, done like an outdoor dining thing, but now we're just doing gift cards for people to take home and, you know, eat on your own and celebrate with us that way. So that's kind of nice and cute. That's a nice so, touch. Yeah. So we're doing, we're doing the the right stuff, but it's still, you know, we still feel bad that, people are still having to go out of their homes and it's not good for the, for the guilt, right. To see things like that. Yeah. We feel bad, but major thing was, and the thing that kind of affected us started off with Trump trying to commit election fraud or uh, election interference. When he called the Georgia secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, and he asked for more votes because Donald Trump lost that state 
by about a little under 12,000 votes. And he asked him to find more votes for him so he could win. Now, it started that way, and the Washington Post released the full phone call. People heard it. It's like an hour long. You can hear it. You look it up online. And it started that way. And then we had this huge, humongous, tremendous, like life-changing, world-changing um, senator, senator runoff uh, in Georgia that would determine control of the Senate. Now, if you're not from the United States, um, the Senate is one of the branches of government um, that helps determine laws and helps things pass. And we've had this huge <laughs> change by having two Democratic senators, John Ossoff, who is 33, very young, and Raphael Warnock, who is a pastor, is black, and he'll be the first black senator from Georgia to be a part of the United States Senate. So that happened. And then yesterday, yesterday was the time where they, uh, the senators and House representatives gather, congregate at the Capitol, on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where they certify the electors, the uh, electoral college, and certify that Joe Biden will be our president. Now, before that happened, Donald Trump posted on Twitter saying that his vice president, who is Michael Pence, Michael Pence is the one who leads the Senate, and he's the one who's supposed to lead and basically say that, hey, this is the president, this is the president who won, and you know he can say that based on the votes um, that it'll be Kamala Harris as vice president and Joe Biden. But Donald Trump posted on Twitter saying that I have full trust in my VP, Michael Pence, that he'll do the right thing and basically like negate the vote of, you know, Joe Biden say that it won't be him. And then Michael Pence said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with the Constitution, yada, yada, I'm going to do this. So then, uh, yeah, and I'll post some clips here because I want people who aren't from America <laughs> who've probably already heard it, though, and I'll post it here of what happened yesterday. And breaking news tonight, the deadly siege on Congress as an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We've seen shocking images of chaos, rioters rushing past barricades and police up the Capitol steps, forcing their way inside. Both the House and the Senate evacuated. Lawmakers moved to safe locations. The invaders roaming the abandoned Senate floor, one hanging from the balcony, police with guns drawn inside the House. The violence erupting, one, uh, one woman fatally shot outside the Capitol, improvised explosive devices found, several people injured, offices vandalized, windows smashed. The National Guard called in to quell the unrest with that city now under curfew. Anyways, so yes, that happened. And all hell broke loose. People broke in, mostly uh, Donald Trump supporters. There were police like intervention, but they didn't really intervene. Some of them took selfies. Some of them opened the gates. And all hell broke loose, and then they broke into Capitol Hill. People were rushing. People like chanted. People threw tear gas. It was insane. People inside the Senate and the House of Representatives, like some of them, were escorted out. Some of them kind of evacuated. And then, like even more hell broke loose, and the shots were fired. In fact, one person was shot and killed in the United States Capitol. Eventually, um, there was more police presence. The FBI was called. The National Guard was called. Like, <laughs> what made it worse was Donald Trump posted on Twitter that it essentially kind of incited all this. I mean, he, he ha it's not like his first time that he has incited violence, but he kind of just incited and said that a lot of things um, that just kind of made it worse. And not just that, but... After that happened, um, people saw this, other people, other representatives, other politicians, including Joe Biden, said that Donald Trump needs to stop this. He needs to not incite violence. What he's doing is wrong. He needs to come out and just tell his supporters to stop. And then Donald Trump heard this, I guess, and this is the response that he posted. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where 
such a thing happened where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. So yes, that was what Donald Trump said. And I want to focus on many of the things said. Anyway, yeah, he released a statement telling people to stand down. But uh, yeah, he did it pretty half-assed, which you know is basically Trump's other nickname of many nicknames. But basically, to me, I think Trump's words were reckless, dangerous, and I mean, a bunch of other stuff. But it does many things, if you ask me. And again, Sarah, you can respond after this. But mm-hmm. I think <laughs> what it sounds like, and it almost sounds like he thanked his supporters, <laughs> not really condemning what they are doing, but like... He he also said to finally go home after the damage was already done, which is like what? And and the the key words that everyone takes away from his message was <laughs> this phrase: "The we love you, you're very special. Go home, because and we must have peace." Which I guess that like pisses me off the most, <laughs> and for many reasons that I think more fo- more so. I just want to focus on the word peace, <laughs> like. Motherfucker, you you fucking kidding me, right? Like, peace is the last thing you want. <laughs> like, he is he, yeah, he is literally like creating <laughs> violence. He's using his unhinged supporters to create violent situations that put put people in in harm's way. Like, that is indeed the opposite of peace. Right, and it, it would be fine if this was like the only time he did it. Right, if it was like, holy shit, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that's what I wanted. Oh, holy crap, you guys need to stop this. The problem is, and you probably agree with me, Sarah, is that he's created, he has a terrible legacy or created this terrible like precedent beforehand. Like he's had four or five years of just pure hatred. Like he's run a campaign on hatred and he's created hatred towards everyone who doesn't support him. And I don't mean to generalize and I don't want to be, oh, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be like, well, all Trump supporters are, are like this. But typically his supporters are white cisgender, heterosexual, transphobic, misogynistic, and they're mostly men. I mean, maybe there's some women, but that's the ones that we see on (laughs) the ones we saw on the TV on Capitol Hill yesterday. I think his role as president has to be the one that creates peace, but he hasn't done that. He's constantly on Twitter bashing or spewing hatred towards those, again, who go against him. And he supported some of the worst anti-LGBTQ legislation probably ever during his entire like administration, during his entire role as president. I think you can include here, I wrote the refusal of transgender students to use bathrooms and locker rooms based on their gender identity, the rollback of a previous rule that protected transgender people from discrimination by homeless shelters and other housing services receiving federal funds, and probably the most egregious form of discrimination and probably most popular was a transgender troop ban, which Trump and his administration claimed transgender troops create a medical and mental health burden. So yes, obviously with all this hate and discriminatory rhetoric, he had even had, remember the public opportunity he had when he was against Joe Biden during that debate, where he had an opportunity to denounce white supremacy, and he still didn't even do that. He just couldn't even be bothered to do the simplest thing like that. (laughs) Uh, but that's just so representative of who he is and how he thinks. And right to build off of your point a little bit, one thing that's underlying all of, of what he's doing is that when he puts out these positions that, that can only charitably be characterized as hateful, it creates a climate in which that kind of thinking is given permission to thrive in other contexts. So in fact, like when, when you think about the legislation that has targeted transgender individuals in the last um, four years, you see it not only at the federal level, you see not only things that he has uh, put forth in his agenda and actually like put pen to paper to sign or to veto. You see it in state legislatures. You see it in, in uh, local um, agencies all around the country that have, have been kind of galvanized and 
and kind of fit within the political climate that he created. And so he's not just affecting people with his words and with his um, legislative power or his, his executive power when it comes to his role in the legislative process, but he's creating a climate that gives permission for this kind of hate to exist and to, and to thrive. And that's maybe what to me is most egregious about what happened yesterday. Like in the, in the midst of, or among so many things that are just so disgusting about what happened. It's that, yeah, it's the way he responded was like how a child who's caught in a lie might respond. <laughs> yeah, uh, just right. kind of a half-hearted thing saying, okay, yeah, you caught me, but I still really, it, like you could tell he didn't change his mind. No, like it's, no. he's saying what he has to say because like people around him have told him like, yeah, this is actually treasonous and this is sedition and what you have done here. And so I get why he's saying that, uh, get why he's saying those things, but then clearly in his heart of hearts, he is thinking something completely different. And with those little phrases, those little kind of turns of phrase or those little dog whistles, as they call him in his speeches or in his tweets or whatever it might be, he is signaling to his base and he is giving them the affirmation that they seek to believe that they are on his team and that he supports them. So mm -hmm. yes, he might've asked them to end the violence, but everyone who was there, I guarantee you will read between the lines of what he said and see nothing but support for that. And uh, the whole thing is just the fact that this kind of climate has been allowed to exist in this country now for four years is just beyond discouraging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I uh, like the, the, the craziest part about it. I mean, a lot of it was crazy, but who says I love you to your supporters and then tell you to go home, but then like pre preface it with like, Hey, we, we were uh, like, they were wrong. We won this in a landslide victory. Like they, they know they're wrong. Like, are you supportive or are you, are you just, are you condemning them? Are you appreciating what they're doing? Like, like, what are you doing? Excuse me? <laughs> like, well, it, it's crazy that he sends all this love. He even literally said, I love you. We love you. Like who, who, who loves that? Nobody loves that. Yes. They're probably loved as human beings, but to, to break the law, to, to cause all this ruckus, to have a person in your group die and get shot in the chest. Like what, what? Like, I don't get it. And I, I, I hate it. I, I read like uh, somebody's random Instagram story. Who's a pro Trump supporter, which is fine. I, I don't disagree if you're going to be pro Trump, but then they posted like AOC's like she had a, a, a Twitter like a tweet that said something like we have to start like a, like a ruckus, you know, we have to make ourselves known. And they used her words in the way that I guess the, the MAGA people twisted it so that they have to make themselves known. Which I'm like, holy shit! You guys are, <laughs> you guys are sick, dude. That's sorry. That like blew my mind. Sorry, Sarah. No, that's that's such a good point, and it speaks to the way that the media had been portraying what happened. It speaks to the way that Capitol Police treated the protesters, uh, who are really beyond protesters. Let's just call them what they are. They are terrorists. Terrorists. Hell yeah, terrorists. Yes, and yes. because that's literally what they were doing, it, the the assault on the Capitol was an act of sedition and an act of terrorism, and everyone who, who participated is complicit in that. And instead, you hear people, you hear people kind of finding equivalence between First Amendment speech and then what they did, but there's nothing acceptable about what they did. There's everything they did is completely outside the bounds of free speech. It was one of the most meaningful assaults on an institution of our democracy in the history of this country. Mm -hmm. And that's terrorism. It is simply terrorism. So when when I see these kind of humanizing stories in the news talking about the background of the woman who was killed by Capitol Police what I'm wondering is if this terrorist looked any different than she did, if, if we were not talking about a white 
military veteran from San mm-hmm. Diego. Yep. And yep. instead we're talking about a, a black or brown person from another country. Would you get any humanizing details about that person or would you just get the fact of the, of the story, which is that she was shot and killed by Capitol police because of her terroristic activity? Yep. Yeah. They're portraying her as like a 14 year air force veteran who had a husband who lived in San Diego. Like it's like, yeah, but what about the fact that she's the one who broke the law and she's, she, I don't know. It's you're right though. You're right. The humanizing qualities that they're portraying her versus, you know, Tamir Rice, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor. Like she was a drug addict's ex girlfriend. Like, wait, what? Like that. Yeah. It's exactly that kind of thing. And and um, President-elect Biden, in his speech this morning nominating uh, Merrick Garland to be attorney general, mentioned specifically that if this were a Black Lives Matter protest, this would not have happened the same way. And the policing Ooh. response would have been completely different. Yep. And that's what it is. It's the way that this was handled is a reflection of structural racism. And I've seen so many times online, and I could not possibly agree more that being able to ransack the Capitol without being shot on site is like the ultimate in white privilege. I agree. Like privilege is the, was the number one answer (laughs) for how everybody was able to do what they were able to do on the Capitol yesterday. You just saw white faces. You saw, I mean, people carrying guns, people in full military gear who were able to breach the Capitol (laughs) taking selfies with policemen I don't know, almost like a camaraderie thing was really weird. And it was strange to see video of just people calmly walking around the Capitol. Like these, these uh, people involved in the insurrection, just like walking around, taking selfies in different offices and like posing in the desk, posing with the desks of members of Congress. All the while there were other people just like breaking glass. It's absolutely inconceivable that this, should have been allowed to happen just from a security perspective. This was an epic failure of what we assume to be the security of one of the most secure buildings in the world. Like, shouldn't this be one of the, when you have the entire legislative leadership of the country at the federal level in the Capitol and then the house and Senate office buildings, what was going on? Like, why was there not a more powerful response and you should never be in a situation where members of Congress have to like hide in the galleries of the chambers in order yeah. to avoid the threat of violence. Yeah. And those, those photos are really scary. <laughs> and the video, like people having tear gas, like that's not policemen tear gassing protesters. Those are protesters with like military like type of weapons. It was really scary. Yeah. The whole thing is, it's still like looking back on it with like the perspective of a day, which is not very long, of course. It's just completely confounding. And and I don't think anyone really saw it coming except for Trump. Yeah, he, he saw that coming from miles away. And or if he did, like he was, I guess, apathetic towards it. Like, oh, well, those people are going to get it or whatnot. And it's like, whoa, that's those are your people. <laughs> those are members of Congress. These are human beings that I don't do you not care. It, it almost seems like he didn't. He didn't. Oh, I don't think he cares at all. And he has, though, a gift for seeing things that the rest of us can't see or don't see because we're we do have a fundamental belief in just the stability of our society and the and the durability of our democracy. But he has a way of seeing things beyond that, because I, I think that just reflects the depravity of his worldview. He can see like when, when he sends out those kinds of signals on his social media platforms, I think he's very aware of what he's doing. And even while no one else might have seen what this was going to turn into, I think he had a pretty clear understanding that that was within the realm of possibility. But the rest of us think there's no way that that can happen in this country. There's no way that these people could be allowed to get away with that. And sure enough, here we are looking back on it and we, we missed it. And I, I'm convinced he did not miss it, though. Oh, no, no. And it it's going to be weird looking back on this like five or ten years later, just being like, 
Yeah, because this is definitely going in the history books. I don't care. Like Trump's administration, Trump's effect that he's had on the United on the United States democracy, on government, on L, the LGBTQ like community, on everyone. It's it's scary to think wow, like wow, we let that happen. And and I guess like I I wouldn't know if like let's say Sierra, somebody like your niece or your nephew, or if you have a kid and they go up to you and they say, "Mommy, Daddy." Why, why did this happen? What will you tell them, Sarah? Well, I think we all have to start thinking of an answer for that question because there will be people asking us this many years down the road. Like we're living through a moment that hopefully will not be repeated anytime soon here. And personally, like what I would say is there is a unique character. There's, there's kind of a unique characteristic to that environment that Trump created. He spoke to and legitimized the views of people who had been feeling increasingly marginalized in this country for many reasons, for cultural reasons, for economic reasons. And he he gave them not only a feeling of validation, but a feeling like they also have some relatively clear and definable scapegoats and targets for their frustration. And I mean, this is this is straight out of a playbook that we've seen many times before in countries that ended up moving toward authoritarianism. But he did so very successfully, and I think I would I would certainly give the answer that a lot of us didn't agree with it, but we also didn't really imagine how bad things could get because we had never lived through this kind of experience before. So it's like every time he took things to the next level, if I think if we would look back or if we knew today what happened when we were voting back in 2016, like if we could if we in 2016 had the benefit of knowing where we are today, things could have been very different because I don't think anyone imagined that what has transpired over the last 4 years could possibly have happened in this country. Eesh. you're i mean i i totally agree and again we're like I, I would hope just whoever's listening to this isn't like oh well sierra and giselle are just bashing on donald trump for you know like you just hate donald trump and you just hate the gop and you guys are just democrats and stuff and i i would hope that people don't think that i just hold hope people kind of do their own i mean i hate when people do the research do your own research it's like you don't have to do the research just <laughs> look what you saw last night or yesterday on TV and look at Trump's response and look at Trump's track record or history of anti-LGBTQ mm-hmm. uh, discrimination, his track record uh, against minorities, against those who are against him, those who don't support his ideas and his worldviews, because it's all Trump. Trump believes in Trump. <laughs> and if you think otherwise and you think, well, no, Trump cares about me, I'm pretty sure unless you're rich as shit or you're not Donald Trump, he doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> look at look at Raffensperger in Georgia. He threw this guy under the bus. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. And wow, this guy is... Become, like, as, I mean, as soon as you no longer... As soon as <laughs> Donald Trump no longer needs anything from you, you're yesterday's yeah. news. Yeah. It's like he throws anyone under the bus who just doesn't support his ideas. So for the people who still support him and the people who were at that MAGA thing who are listening to this or know people who are them, like, just know you're you're just another pawn to Donald Trump. You're just another piece of, you know, whatever Donald Trump wants at that moment. And if, which is crazy, that phone call from, for Raffensperger is just so crazy that he was able to hold his own props to Raffensperger. Holy shit. Well done. Like he's he's like, it almost seemed like Donald Trump was kind of like, like he said something of, to the extent of like, Oh, well you don't want bad things happening to you sort of thing. Right. Like almost like implying yeah. that if you don't go my way, something's going to go badly your way. I don't know. That's what it felt like. I don't know if you there's almost it. always that kind of veiled threat of some negative repercussion in things that he's saying. You can't get away from that. Like in his so many conversations, it's like he dances around issues 
in ways that are both very, very, very kind of easy to see through and also really reminiscent of like how mob bosses are kind of stereotypically right. thought of for like dealing with things. Mm-hmm. Like never actually saying what you mean, but saying things that make it so clear what you mean that no one could possibly interpret things a different way. Right. Uh, and jeez. Oh, so for anyone who's listening, we don't we we are not trying to say that we are, you know, again that anything not Donald Trump is the right way. It's just whatever Donald Trump is doing right now is the wrong way. It is totally wrong. It is inciting violence. It is, you know, insurrection, seditious. It is all the wrong things to do. And I want to talk about the part where he says that I love you to supporters Mm -hmm. because saying I love you to your supporters after the fact that, you know, they've already messed up the Capitol and done all terrible things. I don't think I've ever heard Donald Trump say anything nice to the LGBTQ community, to black people. Again, he said it like, I love black people. Black people love me, but that's like, you know, not sincere. Same thing with, he's never said I love you to Hispanic communities or underserved communities. He's just, unless it's benefited him. And right, it, it, it's just, it's just, I'm tired of this guy. I'm so glad he got voted out. But it's, it's just like, it's painful and sad and heartbreaking that people are realizing oh well wow maybe donald trump is the wrong kind of person maybe like really like idiots like it's been four years (laughs) and i'll I'll tie it into what the future looks like because i watched last night up until like it was like midnight and watching i almost watched it almost all on c-span which by the way is the only time i'll ever watch (laughs) c-span because c-span is so fun It's like, ooh, yay, deliberation. Okay. You know, which is great because if in America we have that kind of transparency where you can actually see like things go to law, like, holy shit, you can see people actually voting. But watching it last night wasn't just like watching paint dry because it's not just like watching paint dry, but it's like watching like paint dry, but it's your house, you know, like, oh shit, this is actually affecting me. I need to, <laughs> I need to listen to it. And you could actually see, again, it's my first time ever watching it. And I saw like, people like object to stuff and there's been already you know people who are saying i'm going to object to that or i'm going to object to you know certain senators and house of representative people are saying well i don't want that i'm going to object to donald to to joe biden winning so there was a couple of senators who are again part of the gop who were going to object to this lawful and there have been no wrongdoings or all these court cases have already been you know thrown out be saying that the the election we had for the presidency was unlawful and that there was like you know some bad things going on or whatever and a lot of these supporters we're gonna see in four in was it 2024 run for president or in 2022 run for senator again right Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are still supporting the idea that donald trump won the election why because again they want to support donald trump still which is wild to me had they not just seen what happened yesterday. Yeah, none of it is. It's like the thought yeah. processes that that you can see in some of these senators. It's like they've been riding this wave of populism and it's been working for them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take some time for them to recalibrate how they approach the act of governing and how they approach like positioning themselves for their constituents with... Um, you know, the the hope of being reelected because a lot of what you have to deal with is as a member of Congress, whether in the House or the Senate, is like the reality that your job is only going to last so long if your views don't align with those of at least some of your constituents. And there has been such a wave of Trumpist populism in, in recent years that so many Republicans who otherwise I think trended toward the moderate side for some time have really pushed themselves more toward the direction of Trumpism because they see not probably not even because they really believe that in their heart of hearts, but because they see that that's what their constituents want from them. So I guess like what I'm wondering is if the populism of Trumpism will continue or what, or if it will stop, what do you think, Sarah? That is a, a really, really good question. I don't think that there is a lot of evidence one way or the other about this. I think it's absolutely certain at this point that the Republican Party is going to be clinging on to power 
with only the most tenuous of grasps going forward, at least today's Republican Party, because now that we have a Democratic Senate, and or now that we will as of Inauguration Day, essentially, there will be the opportunity to work on real voting rights legislation again and to undo a lot of the undoing of progress uh, that the Trump administration did to essentially make voting more difficult for Democratic constituencies. And so the Republican Party is already facing an existential threat, I would say. And Mm -hmm. the Trump base is a small part of that. It's a meaningful but small part even of the overall electorate. And I'm not convinced that that kind of message is going to be the only way forward at this point. Because so much of him and so much of the rise of his message has been like his cult of personality as well. And unless you have another equally charismatic, equally kind of celebrity-driven figure, I'm not sure that that brand of populism is going to be able to survive unless you have some kind of monster like him to kind of feed the flames, you know? Like, what what do you think about that? So just uh, watching what I saw yesterday almost felt like Trump's last hurrah, but holy shit, was it a huge one, right? Like, watching, I was like, fuck, this this guy's still going on and doing this nonsense. And I'm like, he's gone in two weeks. And then after... Um, you know, Congress did eventually reconvene later at night, and then eventually at midnight this morning was able to, you know, say that Biden did win. But just watching, like you were saying, a lot of these House of Representative people and uh, freaking Holly from um, was it Missouri and yeah. these senators who still signed on because it like it's really hard for senators to sign on onto an objection, which apparently is like wasn't going to happen. Like again, it's seditious. Why would you? Why would you say that? Why would you agree with Trump saying that like this was unlawful? Because it wasn't. It wasn't. You they've already had all these cases thrown out. It wasn't unlawful. They they found votes and stuff, but it wasn't like, you know, bad. And I guess just Trump seems like it's ending, but watching all these people still support him after the fact that it didn't happen was like, what are you doing? Some of them actually took back their um, you know, objections, like like Leffler, who gosh, he sucked you. Oh, I was going to just mention her. She's actually a very interesting case about populism. But go on, <laughs> go on. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. Talk about her because I, I hate her. So tell me why I should hate her more. <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm going to paint a more nuanced picture of her. Um, maybe this will make you hate her more. This is probably all stuff you know already, but I'm I'm not sure that all of our listeners who who don't pay a, a lot of attention to politics wouldn't uh, know this. She was a pretty well-known figure in like the Republican party in Georgia as a donor to candidates who were seeking office and, and just within the party. So she was kind of, she was involved to a certain extent in financing campaigns and also just contributing as a patron of the, of the party. And that's a pretty common role that people have uh, within their States, especially people who have the kind of resources she does. And she was known for quite some time for using her influence within the Georgia Republican Party as a way of of kind of promoting a more moderate Republican Party. So she was actually, for as crazy as her tenure and has how just undistinguished as her tenure in the Senate has been, like she was actually very different in in how she approached the the ethics and kind of the the guiding objectives of the Republican Party for quite some time. But she realized, kind of like speaking to the the idea that maybe not everyone who is elected to legislative office is really riding the Trump train, even if they say they are. She went so far to the right, given the reality of running in a primary in Georgia for the uh, Republican um, nomination for that Senate seat. She was in danger of losing her primary because she wasn't far enough to the right. So instead of sticking to her earlier moderate principles, she instead took a hard right turn, aligned herself with Trump, and won the primary, but now lost the general. So 
one thing that does make me think that there might be a limited lifespan to Trumpism now that Trump is kind of becoming yesterday's news is that she clearly attached him attached herself to his coattails in that Senate race. And she lost after coming ahead, coming out ahead in the general election, even. And also in a state where aside from the amazing efforts of Stacey Abrams has for the longest time, not been a very politically competitive state. So that makes you think about the future of populism and the future of candidates who align themselves with with um, with Trump, it may not be a winning message in many parts of the country for much longer. Yes, I mean you can only hate for so long, I guess. But I mean he did it for four years. I don't know. I get you're right. I, I think you can't you can't run a message on hate all the time because eventually people are gonna be like, I can't hate this much longer. Can I love something? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I would hope I mean, that people would feel that way. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, you can say yas enough times, but you can't say nagril to everything, you know, like, like you have to love well, something. Yeah. And that's, I think part of the issue with, with the way that Trump handled his governance is like he had a small coalition and he certainly didn't make it much bigger. And you can only yeah. win with a small coalition like that. If certain kind of situations align in, in a way that, uh, that will give you limited advantages. So really the question was never, is Trump popular with more than half of the people in the United States? Is Trump ever supported by the majority of people? Because he never was. He no. lost the popular vote in both elections that he ran in pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just like his only hope was small constituencies of voters in politically competitive states. So he was yeah. good at playing the game. And he saw opportunities, again, speaking to his unique ability to see things that were going to happen that other people simply wouldn't have imagined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Leffler, yeah, I, I I hated her. She's she's way too wealthy. She's she's the wealthiest person in the Senate. She's worth half a billion dollars. Her husband and her own the the New York Stock Exchange. It's really mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> they own the you know the was it the Atlanta? I forget what the what team that is. Uh, the the, the WNBA I, team, right? Yeah, the WNBA team who don't like her. <laughs> they did a Black Lives Matter thing. So they clearly were against her anyways. They were saying vote Warnock. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she sucks. She sucks. She had no message. She ran on hate. I hate when people run on hate. <laughs> and you know what? She wasn't even elected for her position. She was a- given in her position. So it's like, huh. So makes you think. But I'm glad he's out of the office in less than two weeks now. Thank goodness. Um, he might even be taken out sooner. Probably not, because that'll be a whole thing. I'm hopeful that more people realize that you know are more aware of you know in the last four years that people are are more aware of what's happening with elections and you know you're more awake and stuff and i feel sorry for everybody who's listening to this and looking forward to like cross-dressing and (laughs) trans issues and stuff because we try to touch on it we try to touch it on here but i think the most important thing that's the reason why i wanted to bring it up though is you know i I can't talk cross-dressing sexuality and gender when this is like affecting us, right? Like, yeah, this is, and I, I get people probably yeah, want yeah. like a refuge from all of this news and everything, yeah. but I mean, we're going through this just as everyone else is. And I just can't bring myself to spend like with all this going on, I couldn't bring myself to spend a lot of time just like talking about makeup as much as I enjoy doing that. And as much as I like love talking about things related to cross-dressing and gender. I mean, of course, because we have this podcast, but there is a time and a place to kind of process events collectively. And let's just hope that even though this has already been like, I don't know what people were thinking, by the way, with assuming that 2021 was going to magically be better. Like it's, it's a pretty (laughs) arbitrary cutoff. Right. And so far it looks like just 2020 squared. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a rough road no matter what. And (laughs) it will be right. Like we have to process some of these things together and then we can get back to the the euphoria of kind of exploring our gender identity and being ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It it it's gonna be a rough year, but hopefully this is this this first week isn't any indication or you know, but hopefully it'll be better. It, it it's gotta be. We're we're working towards something better. 
and I, I'm so sorry to everyone again who's listening. I was just like looking forward to like, oh, well, look at Giselle and um, Sierra. Because I didn't want to have to do a cross the ass chat this early. But like with the events just just happened in this week that it's like, you're right. I, we'd be we'd be dumb to just talk about makeup and dresses and stuff, which we still love. We love talking about that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to talk about your journey still with your transitioning journey. I wanted to talk about, you know like more about cross-dressing and stuff. And there's been so much good feedback. Um, everybody who's on the Discord, who's listening to this, thank you guys. You know, I love you guys. Sierra loves you guys too. It's such great support. Whoever isn't on the Discord yet, please join in. I don't know, just talk. Oh, a little more info about that, just in, if you don't know. So Discord is a uh, chat app. Uh, it's used a lot in gaming, oh, but yeah, there are yeah. also like really great communities there where people who just mm -hmm. have interest in common can come and talk about things. And we have a private group for listeners just of the podcast so like people have to be verified by either Giselle or myself to get in and the process of getting started with that if you do want to start talking with like-minded people is really easy just go to our website crossyaspodcast.com and click on the link that you'll see on that page for the discord server and one other fun thing that I wanted to mention that I haven't mentioned this to you yet, Giselle, but I was talking to Tanya. I mean, we have to give her a shout out. She's one yes, of our Tanya. most devoted listeners. <laughs> and today she mentioned the idea of having kind of a live video happy hour on Discord for Ooh, our yes. where we can all kind of, uh, you know, however we want to show up will be great. Like whether you want to dress up and like put on some makeup and look cute and then just spend some time together talking like via video. Um, that's going to be arranged sometime soon, but because yeah. it will be a private uh, event for our listeners who are on the Discord server, if you want to know about that, you'll have to get on the Discord server to find out all the details. Yes, that sounds like so much fun. Again, the other thing I feel really bad for, and I was telling you, Sierra, was it's been a whole, almost a whole year since I've dressed up. And it's it's part like um, body image issues and just feeling like grooming issues, like still haven't shaven and still haven't gotten like stuff done because everything's closed in you know southern california or supposed to be closed a lot of people are still going to people's houses to get their nails done and haircuts which i mean you're risking yourself for covid but i get it some of your guys's nails and hair is kind of like ooh, yikes <laughs> yeah well my my real hair is going pretty crazy right now but then i started yeah. growing it out so yes. it's actually a perfect time to be doing that perfect you're right you're right but some people who have like their legs kind of really hairy or I don't know, like me. Ooh, yikes! I haven't gotten waxed or sugared. Ooh, ooh, we like almost like ten months, and it's it's that aspect of it. So I feel bad for not cross dressing. I mean, I hold a cross dressing podcast, and I haven't done it. It's like, what are you doing? I don't know. I I, I feel bad, but you shouldn't feel bad. It's like you are no less who you are because you haven't dressed up in a while. Like that's that's the thing. You're no True. less uh, trans. You're no less a cross dresser, whether you have. Like whether you dress up every day, whether you kind of live full time or whether it's something you just do whenever you have the opportunity and whenever you feel good about doing so. And True. there's no test that there's no litmus test for being enough of a cross dresser or trans enough to belong in a community like this. True. The, the only problem, though, is you see everyone around you. So again, it's a comparison game. You're like, God damn, Sierra looks so goddamn good. You're like, fuck, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh. so it's part of feeling bad, too. Like, oh, man, I didn't. I didn't show up that well. You know, it's like a uh, black tie affair and you're like, you know, wearing pajamas. You're like, Damn it. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's you're being part. way too hard on yourself because like <laughs> I'm kind of chunky, but I still go for it and I have a great time. True. True. You're a good, good point. But yes, I love that idea of a happy hour or whatnot. Is it happy hour when you do it every every hour, though? Because then every hour is happy. <laughs> that'd be super fun that'd be super fun. it'll be a great event though and it'll be something that again any of our listeners can participate in you just have uh -huh. to get on the discord and as soon as we have dates kind of firmed up because this is something i think that could be a regular thing too depending on how it goes we just have so many listeners who really want to engage in conversation and and like share tips and tricks for for doing makeup and and talk about our own journeys and our identities and and it's you never know what can happen when you get a really great group of people with diverse perspectives together and that's hopefully going to be the first of many such opportunities so get on the yes. discord yes and it is called discord because there could be some discord in there but it'll be fun it'll be <laughs> a lot of entropy it'll be so much coming from all sides just be tons of fun so we love entropy yes. 
Um, but yeah, um, that's what I got all for this chit chat. It, it's a lot. And again, it might be a little political for all of you guys who are like, I don't want to turn to learn about politics, but you'd be, you'd be so like out of touch to not think that this doesn't affect you. What has happened yesterday? What has happened this election? What is going to happen forward? Cause if you live in America and if you don't even live in America, this stuff will affect you too, as well. I think, what do you, what do you, don't you agree here? I, well, yeah, I would completely agree. For better or for worse, the American political system and the decisions that are made and, and our government do have ripple effects around the world. And so it matters. And it matters not only the way that we are actually legislating, the way we're, um, the way we're kind of working with others around the world, but it ma- the image matters. And it matters a lot when we see images of terrorists looting and uh and and just wreaking or uh, havoc in the u.s capitol like when when that is on the front page of newspapers and in the media worldwide and you look at that and you realize no that's not like the parliament of of a developing country that is the capital of the united states and that was allowed to happen here like that image alone matters so much (laughs) God, that that dude with the horns and like the fit, painted face with no shirt on with that Chewbacca thing, like oh god, how are how are we not a joke to people at that point? Like, well, I think we are, and I think it's just tragic that those kinds of images are actually being seen. Like, of course, we want to know what's happening in the world, but it's like when you see those people and you see images of them in the media. It's giving them the platform that they want. Yeah, don't don't do that, guys. We hate that. I hate that shit. This is this is a fool. Like that guy had no shirt on, like and no mask. <laughs> like I don't, I don't. Oh god, the flags, the the Confederate flags in the fucking. Do you see that one photo of like in front of that? <laughs> oh god, it's just bad. It's it's absolutely oh. terrible. Like the the flag of the what arguably the 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 most vicious enemy that the united states has ever faced which is the breakaway conservative or the breakaway uh confederate southern states like (laughs) to carry that flag through the u.s capitol i mean it's like that's not a symbol of patriotism that's a symbol of anti-americanism and it's a symbol (laughs) of sedition yeah i ugh, i don't i don't i don't know i I'm saddened. It it was a hard last 24 hours just because I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I, I had a whole podcast. Like I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna talk about this. I'm gonna talk about this. And then you see that and you're like, what is happening? And then hearing she died, like hearing somebody got shot, like shots fired in the Capitol. Holy shit. Like you're right. Like the security, it was a failure. I mean, I mean you're right. These are our governed officials who should have some of the top security and you have these people who are wearing uh, like Chewbacca masks and stuff and they're getting right through. Like, Oh man. It's like, you might expect that this kind of thing would be possible like at Dodger stadium or something like that. Right. If, right. Like if, if there's a, if there's a night when people really aren't paying attention and the security's kind of lax, like I feel like if, if the same group had like mobbed like a Dodgers game or something like, security and LAPD would have been all over them and none of them would have gotten through. But instead it was just like, what a reflection of the privilege that they enjoy and what a miscalculation on the part of, of law enforcement. Um, yeah. Uh, but things will become clearer as time goes along and yeah. it's just tiring, isn't it? It is so tiring. I don't want to talk about this here. I don't want to talk about it, but it's like, we're going to have to. <laughs> like, you guys, I don't want to, let's talk about dresses and like gender and like, you know, transitioning. Like, that seems like something that everyone will want to listen to. And there are podcasts out there that talk about that, but we're better at it and we want to talk about it. But you and I are as like socially. I would say I hate I hate the fucking SJW social justice warriors. Like we're not fighting for social justice. We're fighting for democracy at this point. <laughs> like like yeah. being able to say what we're able to say, right? Like there are other countries who can't say this. And so that's like, hey, you guys have the freedom to say this stuff. And we are gonna call shit out when it's shit out. And if it's not Donald Trump, and we we want people to be aware of that if there is shit that's happening in Joe Biden's 
uh, administration, we're going to call that shit out. Like the media, I hope, I would hope Sierra's like, Giselle, you need to fucking talk about this. I'm like, yes, yes. We're going to talk yeah, about I mean, this. If there's anything time. that, anything that kind of reflects infringement upon the rights of LGBTQ people or, yes. or anything that kind of flies in the face of, of what we believe in as, as people who support, um, gender equity and just yes. the freedom to be oneself. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about that too. And if we think that people aren't being, um, active enough in supporting the rights of, of others, then yeah, we'll, we'll say that as well, but it will hopefully be nice to get back to talking about some of the more fun stuff. But yes. speaking of, I'm, I'm, I've actually gone back into the closet. I, I'm recording this from my closet for the first time. Oh, just yeah. for better acoustics so i'm i'm sitting right underneath a lot of my dresses right now oh shout out dresses hello dresses hey dresses i miss you well um also i got a better mic just um kirsten bought me a yeti i was like oh shit okay sweet oh hey. i've got a yeti too now we're mike twins yes oh, mike twins yes i can't wait to hang out like like i can't wait to have a podcast with like i think uh tanya brought it up like she'll do an interview but it would have to be in person like yes like let's all have our three mics or something and just talk it out i don't know like share like drinks or something a happy hour in person would be fucking amazing oh. and we will get there that will happen this year and finally the miscellany yes and that's it for this week where you heard basically me and sierra just talk about <laughs> yeah everything that's happened this week tune in for saturday where i hope to have another curious conversation don't know with whom yet. I'm thinking with Jesse, uh, who's an awesome cross-dresser trans person who you'll enjoy listening to. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm going to answer the question of the month, uh, hopefully next week, uh, hopefully on Wednesday. I and mean, then I'll introduce a new question of the month. And I hope you guys answer it. Join our Discord. Check out our website, www.crossyaspodcast.com. For more information, we can check out stuff like our Discord, stuff like our Patreon, and ways you can support the podcast. But that's it for this week, or that's it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, sorry for the little late delay in the release, but yeah, a lot of stuff is going on. But that's all. As always, keep it fresh, stay blessed, and remember, you're gorgeous. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story. To help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. 